0: Why 480? It's the number that drives our work lives.
1: 480 minutes. That's all you have every work day.
0: And the decisions that you make each minute can change everything.
1: When you plan out your business goals over the next two years, that's only 480 work days to get it done.
0: In your entire 40-year career, you've only got 480 months to make an impact with your work.
1: Time is the limit we can't control. Because time is your most precious resource.
0: This is the Leadership 480 Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Leadership 480 Podcast from DDI, the podcast that's all about making every moment of leadership count. My name is Craig Irons, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today we're delving into a topic that's relevant to the 480 months that make up a leadership career. And that topic is about leaving a legacy Specifically, why leaders should focus on building a lasting legacy by being a visionary, as opposed to striving to be viewed as an expert. And to talk about this today, we have an amazing guest. Andrew Davis is a best-selling author and internationally acclaimed keynote speaker. Before building and selling a thriving digital marketing agency, Andrew produced for NBC's Today Show, worked for the Muppets in New York, and wrote for Charles Kuralt. He's appeared in the New York Times, Forbes, the Wall Street Journal, and on NBC and the BBC. He has also crafted documentary films and award-winning content for tiny startups and Fortune 500 brands. Andrew's a highly acclaimed speaker on both marketing and leadership topics, and if you attended DDI's LeaderCon 2019, you had the treat of seeing Andrew deliver the opening keynote. His new book, "The Loyalty Loop," will be published in 2020, and we're really happy to have him with us today. Andrew Davis, welcome to the Leadership 480 podcast.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. It was so much fun to be at LeaderCon. It was great.
0: It really, really was. So, uh, and you were you were amazing as as advertised. So let's uh, <laughs> let's get right to uh, you know the question that all of our listeners certainly want to know, you know, after listening to, you know, me introduce you, Uh, you know, before you became a media and marketing strategist, an author, a speaker, um, you had a career in television. So you worked for Charles Corral, and on the Today Show and with the Muppets. So let's get right to it. The question every one of our listeners wants to know, Oscar the Grouch. Is that just a persona, or is he really that grouchy and difficult on the set?
1: <laughs> Oscar the Grouch is really, really, really grouchy. That's you're absolutely right. Yeah, like, I, I mean, look for for I, I worked on uh, Sesame Street uh, starting with season thirty, and. Um, you know, for the first 30 years, Oscar the Grouch was grouchy, and uh, for the last 15 years or 20 years, he's been just as grouchy, maybe even more so. But, uh, but there's, look, there's a leadership lesson in Oscar the Grouch. I mean, everybody has worked with an Oscar the Grouch, right? Sure. <laughs> uh And I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, as a leader, a big part of your job is ensuring that the entire team is open to change. And, you know, Oscar the Grouch, uh, while he's pretty grouchy and very difficult to work with, I would say in the corporate sense, um, you know, he's changed slowly over time. But, uh, you know, if it was me, I'd have a real sit down with Oscar the Grouch to talk about uh, if we can get him a little bit more open to change. Um, and, and I should say, by the way, the, the puppets here who does Oscar the Grouch is a guy named Carol Spinney. And and for a lot of people, they don't know that the same guy who does Big Bird also does Oscar the Grouch. So it's it's like two polar opposite characters. Right. Uh, and Carol Spinney is a great guy.
0: And he just retired not long ago, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He's. I mean, you know what?
1: I always thought Carol Spinney was pretty old when I worked with him. But the fact that he's kept going for so long... Uh, and just retired is a true testament to I think his passion for making those characters such a staple um, that uh, that kids for generations have identified with
0: yeah I know they were part of my childhood for sure but there you have it folks an Mine inside too. scoop on on Oscar yeah. the Grouch and uh, what it was like to work with him so yeah, let's uh yeah he's difficult let's change gears here so as a marketing thought leader Uh, You deliver keynote speeches around the world, but of course not all of your speeches are on marketing topics, uh, which is why we're talking to you now. And uh, in a leadership keynote you deliver, like the one you delivered at LeaderCon, you encourage leaders not to strive to be experts, which really struck me as kind of interesting advice. Can you explain that? Mm.
1: Yeah, sure. Look, I think... um uh, the the formula for becoming an expert is pretty simple it's like you need some experience and you need a lot of time to become an expert and you've got to be able to dive deep into a subject or a, a you know a, an area or a skill to become an expert so that's great but we live in a world where experts are essentially everywhere you know you can hire an expert you can hire an advisor you can hire a consultant you can hire someone to work within your organization that is an expert in whatever you need expertise in. And so I think we kind of have become a society that overvalues expertise. And what I think most organizations really need are visionary leaders who are, are, uh, are, are really embarking on a quest and bringing an entire organization along with them and relying on the experts to, to prescribe solutions while the visionaries are asking really big questions that actually get people to apply their expertise to the right problems, the right opportunities, and and build the right kind of legacy. So, so instead of, you know, thinking you have to be an expert in anything, it, I think you're going to find yourself more fulfilled but also more valuable if you really focus on the vision and pointing – the team in the right direction, um, and letting the experts be experts while you really build something bigger.
0: So I understand, um, you know, a lot of what you talk about, uh, when it comes to being a visionary is asking bigger questions. Uh, so so what are some of those bigger questions leaders should be asking?
1: Uh, the, here's the easiest benchmark. I, I I think that the best questions are questions that Google cannot answer. So, uh, you know, use that as a benchmark. If you, as a leader, are you asking your team questions that Google can answer, those questions are too small. They're not big enough to help point the the team in the right direction. They're too task oriented. Instead, I want you to ask much bigger questions. Um, and most of the questions that I think are really well-suited for this kind of visionary exploration are big what and how questions. So questions like, what if we did X, Y, and Z? Or what if we envisioned the world like this instead of like that? Or, or what should the world look like? Or what should we be working on? Or what would things look like? So what if, what should, and what would? And then on the how side, it's like, how can we do X, Y, and Z? Or how can we become X, Y, and Z? Or how do we see this you know, playing out over time? And those kinds of questions uh, force the team to start using their curiosity to find answers. And you can't ask uh, these questions every single day with a new question. You kind of have to focus on one version of the question for a long time to give the team time to really get the question understand its implications and start feeding you the kinds of ideas you're looking for but you've got to beat the drum with big ideas big questions that Google cannot answer
0: so I would imagine part of that you know especially as you're thinking about asking these big questions toward you know creating Mm. a legacy for yourself as a leader um, you know, it, it's something you kind of need to stay at, so... Um, oh, yeah. Meaning it, it needs to be become a habit for you as a leader. Uh, so how can leaders make asking big questions a habit? What does that take?
1: Oh, okay. Let's do, Let's use the 480 structure to kind of think through it, right? So I think the first question you have to ask yourself as a leader is if you've got 480 months in your career, The first question you need to ask yourself is a what should question. Something like, what should my legacy look like at the end of my career? What kind of legacy do I want to leave? Paint yourself a picture of that legacy. Ask yourself every day one big question until you've painted a picture of that legacy. So my my first suggestion is spend some time every day painting the picture of your legacy until it's clear in your mind. Then if you, if you boil that down to the 480 days, the next two years, I think I want you to start asking yourself, but what would, uh, I, I like my team to, to explore and solve in the next 480 days? What would that be? Right. Um, as a, as a subset of that legacy question. And then every single day, once you've answered that question, the the 480 minutes, I want you to find a few minutes in every day trying to to ask one of the questions, one question that would actually challenge your team to find that answer and move towards your legacy long-term. So the question might be for that daily question until you come up with it, would be what question maybe can I ask to challenge my team to accomplish, uh, you know, that vision I'd like to see in 480 days. Does that make sense? It definitely makes sense, definitely makes sense yeah, so so start with start you know just to, to reiterate four hundred and eighty months, you got to define your legacy first, then four hundred and eighty days, I want you to pick one thing that's going to be a big step towards your legacy within this organization. And, and and commit yourself to seeing that change or that that innovation or that new opportunity come to fruition. Even if you don't know exactly what it looks like, it should be a question, not a solution. And then the last one is every day. Find that question you can just reiterate and over and over and
0: over again. We're talking to Andrew Davis, a globally known, An acclaimed keynote speaker on marketing and leadership and author of the forthcoming book, The Loyalty Loop. Andrew, another point you make is the need for leaders to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. How does that differ, or, or really even does it differ, from the stress and ambiguity leaders are already feeling you know, as they struggle with the accelerating pace of change, the uncertainty of the future, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot sort of in the environment right now uh, to make leaders feel uncomfortable as it is. So what, how, what's your, your twist on that, if you will?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know if it differs directly, uh, but I think, look, I think part of being a leader is embracing the discomfort and leveraging the experts you've got around you to ask, questions of them to help you either uh, dissuade yourself from getting overwhelmed by the you know the pace of change or the uncertain future um, so that they're actually working on solutions or contingency plans so that should something happen that you're worried about they actually are solving so for example let's go back to the questions I was talking about if you're worried about the market changing in the next 24 months then instead of just worrying about it and being uncertain about it and straggling with that uncomfortableness, just embrace that, that uncomfortableness and get, just, just dive right in. Ask someone on your team, maybe the CFO, a big question. Like, hey, what if there's a big market change in the next two years? What would it look like if we had a plan to deal with that? Ask that big question and ask them, ask them it over and over again until you see something that helps you get, uh, get comfortable with the discomfort. The other thing is, in a much bigger sense, I think leaders should get really, really more uncomfortable more often, because that's where true innovation and true inspiration and new ideas come from. You know, one of the easiest things every executive should do is go to an event that makes them completely uncomfortable, where they, they know nothing about the industry. They, you know, look, if you, for example, if you're in industrial manufacturing and you're the CEO of an industrial manufacturer, I challenge you to go to a mom-and-pop uh, hardware store conference. The reason I want you to do that is because you will see things in a whole new light. You will hear things. You will embrace new problems, and you'll hear different perspectives than you won't hear when you go to the industrial manufacturing event. And the more uncomfortable you get, the more aware you are uh, of your surroundings and the, the other issues that the world is facing, that your team is facing, that people are facing, and you'll find new solutions by connecting the dots between the most dissimilar things and the opportunities in front of you and your team that you're serving. So, so spend some time to get comfortable with the, the uncomfortableness, right. <laughs> the discomfort, if you will, and, and find a, 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 a way to start asking questions that reduce the stress and strain those things can have and take it off your shoulders um, and help your team Step up to the plate
0: with new solutions that they found themselves. Andrew, I'd like to to talk a bit about your abilities, which are pretty considerable when it comes to, uh, you know, to delivering keynote speeches and being a, a presenter. And uh, anyone who has seen you speak um, knows that it's something you work very hard at and are also very good at. Uh, but i was just wondering what you could share uh with our listeners uh, you know about the act of connecting with an audience uh you know mm. you've mastered that it, it it would seem but uh you know a great many leaders struggle with becoming an effective communicator so what advice would you offer them i i i think effective leaders just just do
1: three things um one uh, I mean, I guess if I put it as advice, I, I'd say one is be humble. Uh, whenever you're speaking, try to make it not about you.
0: <laughs> right. Uh,
1: you know, a lot of leaders have spent a lot of time getting to their position, and even when someone asks them a question that seems to be about them, the, the, the more a leader can spin the question or the answer uh, to be not about them, Uh, and the you know the advice or insight or the the opportunity is not their opportunity you earn a huge amount of goodwill from an audience no matter if it's two people ten people a thousand people or you know the entire organization or even on a media interview so so number one is be humble number two is is be real (laughs) and by that I just mean um, don't you don't have to try hard to be a great communicator. You just need to communicate in whatever style suits you. You know, even as a speaker, I'm someone that's pretty, um, uh, I, I mean, I guess manic maybe uh, or, or hyperactive. It's kind of something that uh, that I've always just been as a person. And when I started speaking, i, I, I you know, in front of audiences, I thought, well, People want a speaker who, you know, stands at the podium, and it's kind of professorial. And I tried to be that, and it just didn't work. It didn't connect. So instead, I said, well, look, I'm manic. You know, I can get focused, uh, but, I, you know, don't try to be the prof- professor. Just be you and communicate the way you communicate. Just be real. Don't try to embody another leader's style or what you think should be a great leadership style to communicate. Just be real. And the last one is to be relatable. And I think the key to being relatable is just telling stories that um, make your points for you. Uh, you know, think like your Aesop's fables, or uh, you know, or or children's book. How can you use stories that uh, the, to help uh, your your audience, your team embrace the ideas you're trying to get across? Uh, you'll be you, people will fall in love with you, but they'll also be able to tell the story to others on the team or remind others about the stories you told. Those are the things that people remember. So be humble, be real, and be relatable. And I think you'll be a much better communicator
0: um, in any situation. You know, one thing that um, is is certainly an element of your presentations, and I've seen you speak a a, a few times, but every time I've seen you speak, it's just fun. And, um, you know, obviously every time a, a leader is up in front of an audience, should not be an opportunity to have fun with it or to infuse, um, you know, what they are, are, uh, talking about with, you know, with some lightheartedness or some humor, but, uh, you really found that that, that works for you, haven't you? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, the, the, the humor is again, part of just me being real, like for me, um, uh, what, one of the things I've always believed is that a great job should be fun challenging and rewarding um, and that's what builds a great career and uh, no matter where I've worked uh, I've really believed that fun challenging and rewarding are the keys so uh, you know speaking uh, for me it, it should be fun <laughs> right and and I, I think the same goes for 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 most executives most uh, leaders should spend the time to have some fun uh, with the team they're working with. And that doesn't mean you, you need a field trip. It means communicate in a fun way. You you don't always have to be serious, um, you know, and and sometimes you have to work at that to remember that a, good, a big part of being at work is having fun. It is being challenged in the right ways with the right kinds of questions. Um, and it is being rewarded for the work you do, and sometimes rewarding doesn't just mean financially; it right. means actually being rewarded from the people that you expect to be rewarded from, which which just can be an accolade from the CEO in a fun way.
0: That's awesome. That that's really great advice. Let's talk about your new book, The Loyalty Loop. Yay! So, what's it about? <laughs> and uh, um, you know, what can you you tell us? Uh, that you're going to be covering in that book.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, the Loyalty Loop is, is really about building uh, experiences that use micro moments to have the biggest impact. So um, a, 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 a good example on the, on the leadership side <laughs> uh, would be thinking, of, thinking through the moments in your team's life uh, at your organization that mean the most. Uh, that make the biggest impact um, on their, you know, th- their well-being at the organization. Um, and it, it has implications not just for, uh, you know, marketing, which is the perspective I come from, but even the experience of onboarding a new hire. You know, when, when they walk into the office and it's on their first day, uh, they are so excited, a little bit anxious, and ready to start this new job. Um, and our experience is, Not necessarily the greatest one, (laughs) um, because that is one of those micro moments that matter the most. And it's not the whole day that matters, it's even just the first few minutes of them arriving at your organization that will have the biggest impact. And funnily enough, it's not even those first few minutes they arrive, it's the moments before that. So how can you raise anticipation to create a great experience so that when they walk in the door, they, they, they are excited. They don't feel overwhelmed. They're not as nervous as they might have been if you hadn't built up to this moment. Uh, how can you maximize their honeymoon phase so that you get the most out of them? They enjoy it, and they're really proud to be there. And then how do you constantly re-inspire your team to keep working on new big ideas um, and, and keep, uh, keep them engaged in a long-term way?
0: So that's the loyalty loop, um, kind of, you know, the, the leader spin on it. Right. And that book will be out uh, next year, 2020? Yeah, next
1: year. It'll be out in 2020. Yeah, exactly. And if, if, you, if anybody is listening to the podcast uh, and made it this far, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shoot, shoot, you, you, can, you can shoot me an email uh, at davis at Monumental Shift and just use 480 in the subject line, and I'll send you a free book when it
0: comes out. Oh, that's a very generous offer. And I think people should uh, should take you up on that because I'm sure the book's going to be terrific. I
1: hope so. (laughs) I love. Oh, I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited about it. Good. And 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 as I said before, I'm impatient. I really wish it was out today.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, anytime I know I take on a big writing project, I'm always anxious to get to the part where I can look back on it and know that it's done. So I can only imagine what the process has been like. (laughs) Andrew, I want to close with one last question. This is a question we ask all of our guests. Can you share a moment of leadership that had an impact on you?
1: Yes, I can. uh, I'll just tell you the very first boss I ever had was a guy named Claude Pallon. Um, And he was the executive producer uh, at a local television station in in Boston, Massachusetts, where I worked. And I was very excited to be starting my career right out of college at a television station where I was producing two live shows. I, was, I mean, I thought, wow, this is, it cannot get any better. Um, and I worked there for about two years when one day Claude Toulon called me into his office. And, and Claude is a very stern leader, you know, he was a Vietnam War veteran, and he kind of ran the operation like like it was a military organization precisely on time and very stern. Uh, and he closed the door, and I thought, oh, no, like I mean, he must be letting me go for some reason. I was really nervous. And he closed the door and he said, look, you've been here for two years. You've been a great employee, uh, but I just heard about a tremendous opportunity uh, that I think you should, you know, go and apply for. And it's with a company that uh, I know the CEO of, and I think you'd be a great fit for this company. I thought, why Why would the leader of the team that I work for be giving away an employee that he just met was, I mean, just, just admitted was one of the best team members he had to someone else. Um, and Claude told me years later that one of his, one of the the, the fundamental principles of his management style was ensuring that, uh, that he was always looking for the next opportunity For every one of the employees he had and his goal was to actually build those employees to make them ready to leave and he should be excited and thrilled to uh, usher any employee out the door because they've outgrown the experience he could provide and I thought what an amazing lesson for any leader even in uh, you know a, a tough job economy where it might be hard to replace employees, Claude Plung was the kind of leader who was willing to, um, to to help people grow and I think the best leaders leave that kind of legacy uh, so Claudes leadership has always stuck with me and anytime i had someone walk into my office and say hey i think i'm going to give my two weeks notice i've got a great opportunity the first thing i did was i high five them and and ask them how i can help them and you know what can i do to make this more successful and and then share with the team how thrilled i was that somebody had outgrown us um and i think that's something we can all learn from
0: what a great story I love that. He's a great guy. I love that. Great guy. And I have loved this conversation. Andrew Davis, thank you so much for joining us. This has been so much fun. Thanks for having me. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And best of luck with the new book and uh, everything else that you're uh, you're involved with. And I hope you don't.
1: Well, I hope if you didn't make it to LeaderCon this year, everybody listening should go next year.
0: It's an awesome event. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. So thank you for the plug on that, and hopefully you won't be fielding any uh, any uh, you know calls or emails from Oscar the Grouch's attorney.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, he's so grumpy. You never know, man.
0: Never know. <laughs> Andrew, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, our loyal listeners, for sharing some of your valuable time with us today. I'm Craig Irons reminding you to make every moment of Leadership Camp.